1: Hey everybody, before we get to this week's episode, I have to take a moment to send all my thoughts and well wishes to all of you during this extremely challenging time. COVID-19 has taken us all by complete and utter surprise, and none of us are quite sure how to react, what to do, or where this is all heading. But rest assured, I will keep making podcasts if you'll keep listening. It's the least I can do to try to keep your minds, and frankly my own, off of COVID-19 for even just an hour. So thank you for still being here. Thank you for still supporting Somewhere in the Skies. Please stay healthy, stay safe, and we will get through this. We always do. And now, let's get back to UFOs.
0: This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread.
1: Chris, we have been on the podcast periphery with one another for a while now and in a field where the landscape is constantly changing, it's good to just sit down and have a conversation amongst mutual colleagues. So Thank you so much for joining me today on Somewhere in the Skies.
2: Yeah, it's good to finally be here. I've been nibbling at your ankles for so goddamn long. <laughs>
1: I know, man. And finally, it is happening. Hey, I take full responsibility for that. Trust me. I, I was telling you off air, I just hired an assistant. So finally, I'm going to be able to schedule not just my podcast, but my life in general. So no, this has been a long time coming, but I know it's going to be awesome. Because uh, yeah, like I said, I've been following your work for a while. I listen to your podcast and uh I wanted to get a feel for your thoughts on a lot of this stuff that you and I have in common when it comes to the UFO topic and um, I want to talk about your show too but before we do that I gotta ask kind of your origin story if we're gonna go the comic book route what what got you first interested in the UFO topic have you ever had any experiences that you'd be willing to share with us or what is your origin story
2: well I've always had like a, an interest in paranormal stuff I've always been a um a big proprietor of of just you know science fiction i I love comic books i grew up with superheroes so the idea that there are extraordinary people and extraordinary experiences out there you know greatly excited me what really interests me most about the paranormal and stuff like that are you know not just the phenomenon but the characters Mm. namely like the 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 you know, like the greys and stuff like uh, the individual critters and characters that populate the the phenomenon in the field. You know, not just the individual races, but also, you know, the people involved and stuff like that. And I just see them all as, you know, populating like different types of superheroes in a big old comic book of life. <laughs>
1: I love that, man. That's such a good way to put it. We are kind of characters in this this big cosmic movie or comic book, as it were. So mm-hmm. that's really cool to hear. Um, well, how about, do you have any personal experiences uh, specifically related to UFOs you'd be willing to share with us? But if not, I completely understand. But yeah, what kind um, of drew your passion?
2: And unfortunately not. Um, I most i've had paranormal experiences but within the realms of ufo's or alien abduction phenomena nothing specific mm-hmm. i I've, I've had like sleep paralysis episodes that i've recognized as sleep paralysis those are there even those were like comically disappointing because everyone has you know they have grays or they have shadow people or monsters and stuff like that instead mine were uh, during daylight where I I ha, would have a sleep paralysis episode, and instead, what would come into my room wasn't, you know, a monster or or a alien or or any kind of cryptid creature that I should be familiar with. Instead, it was, uh, well, um, how do I best describe this without offending people? Uh, you see, you know what. People of Walmart is right.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm very well. Aware. Okay.
2: The, the denizens of the people of Walmart would come into <laughs> my room, shif- shuffle through my things. You know, they would open doors and even open doors that in walls that there were no doors sort of this was weird thing and they every now and then they would look at me you know to make sure that i'm not getting up and moving and stuff like that and of course i'm paralyzed with that my body can't move and then there's this overwhelming sense of fear even though i know i'm not supposed to be afraid of anything i i know it's an it's uh that this is a, a an episode but i you still get the washover of that emotion and then they would you know eventually make themselves you know out of the door out of the door and that that happened to me twice and then I would when I would regain control of my body I would get up and I'd look around and nothing was shuffled with nothing was was you know disturbed Um, all of my uh, alarms and locks were fastened all from within the inside there was no way anyone could have gotten in and gotten out Mm -hmm. so even with that you know the experience is still unsettling
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine I, I think I personally have had one experience in my life, uh, in terms of sleep paralysis, and then never again, which I always thought this is like a chronic thing, like people would get it constantly. But and then I read that no, it can only happen one time for some people. So that's, that's interesting. Is that something that you you deal with on a consistent rate? Or was this
2: just like, at one certain point in your life? I think it was just maybe just the one or two times. I, there's sometimes where I can feel it coming on, but I know how to get myself out of it mm-hmm. like right away. And and usually it's when I just have trouble sleeping or something like that. It it's not a it's not a constant. It's nothing that, you know, plagues my life as it would with some people, but that's probably the closest thing I've had to a personal paranormal experience I mean I've had other paranormal experiences that were like more uh more like like uh unrelated to like UFOs and stuff there was uh one instance where I would hear as I was growing up um I would hear my mother's voice calling for me and and the thing is Sometimes even when my mother wasn't in the house like I remember one time uh, my mother was out in the yard you know doing yard work and and tending to her garden and stuff like that and I heard her call for me you know and and it was a call like a like a call for help but not distress more like a call for help like she needs help like getting a can of beans off the top shelf or opening a pickle jar mm. something like that you know uh, so I would come out and and I'd look for her and it's like oh great she's not here then I'd open up the 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 sliding glass door, which makes a loud, obnoxious noise. And I would peek my head out and asked if she called. And of course she didn't. And, and anytime I would experience something like that or anything remotely strange, she would always say, Oh, that's your guardian angel. As a way of, I guess, helping me to not freak me out or whatever. Yeah.
1: Like a coping but, mechanism. Yeah.
2: yeah. But what was weird is that, you know, I mean, I heard her voice. I distinctly heard her voice and, And she was like outside, you know, with the door closed. If she if she was going to open the door, I would have heard the door open because it makes a loud scratching noise because that's just how the sliding glass doors work. But that, you know, that, of course, turned out to be, you know, something that was just the to this day still puzzles me as to how that could have happened.
1: Yeah. Welcome to my life and so many others who've had weird paranormal experiences I totally get it man um well i uh i, I was listening to one of your your episodes um Around the time when Alien Con was happening in Dallas, and um, I saw that you had actually gone there, and uh, I wasn't able to make it. That's the only Alien Con I've missed so far. But um, what was that experience like? You're kind of my only conduit into that event. I don't really know anyone else that attended. Yeah. So what was that like? And uh, maybe, maybe could you give us
2: some of your most memorable experiences while you were there? For me, it was personally, like, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean... I've been to paranormal events before. I've I've been to you know uh, you know little UFO meetups and stuff like that, and little paranormal conventions that we have. Um, San Antonio is probably like a, a horror is our thing. We do horror better than anyone else. I can we have that, yeah. so many horror and horror conventions just out the wazoo. You can find a, a paranormal or horror convention you know within within a, a rock's throw they're just they're just up here all the time but when i went to dallas for um down there at the civic center i was overwhelmed there were so many people there i mean i think it was and um myself i was with uh my my companion leslie she's a friend of mine she's like my little sister she comes with with me and, and she, me and her are, are like, you know, going around this place. She's into big into aliens and she knows who all these people are. And I'm like, and I'm like, uh, oh, the one guy I wanted to see is not here. So I'm just kind of milling around. I make do. And, and I, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm just looking around and, and there's just so many people into so many things. And, you know, it, almost has that vibe of like a comic-con, but not really. I mean, not many people like maybe I think out of all of them, like maybe a dozen people were dressed up, but most of the people, they just had the t-shirts and the little uh, deals on their, on their heads. And, and it was like so many people, just regular people that were interested in this. And, and it was a bit overwhelming. I, because uh, me and Leslie, because we uh, we have a background in conventions and, and we were like staff at, various conventions. We kind of know who to talk to and who to ask to get sort of the real story of what's going on. So we would talk to some of the staff and stuff like that, and she would ask around. And what she got back for me is that um, they were a bit overwhelmed by the numbers. They had like, I think they had a larger turnout than uh, than uh, I think, what was the other one, uh, LA? Uh, LA,
1: there was Baltimore. Wow, they outdid I, LA, that's crazy. I don't
2: know if they did LA, but I'm pretty sure they outdid Baltimore. Okay. I think it was probably like the largest one that they had seen so far, but it got to the point that, that they that they were filling out the panel rooms, and these panel rooms were like set up for like uh, a thousand people plus people. And they had lines out the door. And one of the major complaints was that, you know, there, were, there weren't there were enough panels or not, not enough room in the panels. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, it's like there were like so many thousands of people there. I, I don't know what the exact numbers were. I, I don't think we ever got a final count. But it was whatever it was that they were prepared for, they probably got like two or three times as many attendees <laughs> in that that they were prepared to handle, so they had to do like a lot of creative stuff just to get people in, just to get people into these panels. And you know, I mean, the panels were great. Uh, you know, like like I said, Leslie, she got a picture with uh, with, uh like what is it, the hair guy, Sukulow? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she yeah, got a picture iconic, with him doing. Yeah doing the meme stuff. And and she had a blast. She had a blast. So I, I had like lots of fun just sitting and talking to people that I normally don't get to run into a lot of, you know, I would just sit down and, and you know, and just have conversations with just regular people. And sometimes some of the guests and the attendees would come down and I'd recognize a few of them that I had met prior. And we would just sit and catch up and have conversations. And it was an Definitely an over, overwhelming is the only way that I could describe it.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. When I went to my first one in, I think it was Pasadena, California, I had no idea what to expect either. I thought it'd be like one of these little UFO you know, conferences and I show up and there's just like thousands of people there. And you're just like, how how are these many people talking about UFOs and ancient aliens and um, the paranormal? And I didn't know about it, so that that goes to show how much I think ancient aliens has sort of bled into the mainstream and become such a big thing. So kind of moving from Alien Con, who you know, Ancient Aliens TV show produces the the Alien Cons, I believe. Um, what are your thoughts on? The ancient alien theory, Chris, does it hold up? uh, Does it help or does it hinder the UFO conversation in your opinion?
2: What do you think? Well, what I think hinders the conversation is I know you and I think in one of your prior interviews, you and and John Tenney, and I'm not trying to crap on you guys or, or get on get on your case. But I think there's this meme going around that says, you know, because white people didn't build it, therefore aliens
1: yeah, and I understand yeah, I that people
2: try to try to push this sort of racial overtone of, you know, of the this sort of like, you know, because the English speaking, you know, cis white gendered white people don't know this, that therefore that, that it somehow demeans brown people you know uh, and culture and, and um you know uh, indigenous folks and the thing is you know i'm like part indigenous myself i you know i'm like i'm like uh interracial so i'm like part mexican part white so you know, I mean, not to not to draw straws or get into a pissing contest, but I can pretty much say to anybody, hey, I out marginalize you by just being biracial. But the thing is, is that what I feel is that the thing is they say that about everything. They say that about Stonehenge. I'm pretty sure that there's even an episode out there saying that. Gee, I wonder if Mordred was a hybrid, you know, type of <laughs> stuff like that. Right. You know, or was the was the was the lady in the lake a a a, a gray or something like that? You know, and. And it's, it's like they say that about everything. That's their thing. It's just it's just it's a gimmick. It works because the numbers showed us that it does. And, and I think it's just, you know, I, I think that's just being, you know, um, a bit culturally irresponsible to to try to throw that that you know, that these people are racist because X and I'm like, no, that that's just not the case. I, I vehemently disagree with that. Um, the thing is, is though, is that what I feel uh, hurts us is that, you know, I mean, or what, What? let me talk about what helps us. What helps us is that it does introduce people to new cultures. It does introduce people around the world, whether it's through the lens of alien abduction or uh, the, the alien, theory, they're still being exposed to, to cultures. They're still being exposed to new and interesting things that they probably wouldn't, you know, be exposed to otherwise. And I see that as a win. Um, now, as far as, you know, the the cultural stuff like that, I do have take issue and umbridge with that on the grounds of we're mostly exposed to English-speaking um, narratives because yeah. that's that's our fault. Because we're I mean, I mean, we all speak English and stuff like that. There's an entire world out there that produces its own content. I was in contact with a, a man. He was producing a, a paranormal series, a local paranormal series, and he was hiring for um, hosts for the series. He had gotten himself – he was making a dual – a dual language uh production where oh, he cool. had where he was producing a Spanish language version and he was producing an English language version I think he got the spanish he got the host and stuff for the Spanish language version down, but he was still looking for like a host for an English language version that i the last time I spoke to him and i hadn't talked to him in like a few years, and I need to hit him up and see. You know how that's going but as far as you know the content out there i mean we sort of have this idea that you know that that everything that we're seeing everything through a a, a, a sort of a white person lens mm-hmm. but it it's just there is there are brown people and and black people out there producing their own content you know giving their perspectives and stuff like that we can't pretend that they're not out there just because we don't see them in the mainstream and And it is a bit, you know, eventually they'll they'll make their way into mainstream and stuff like that, and we got to support them, but we also at the same time can't, you know, um, patronize them on the basis of just superficially because then that's artificial and, and it's disingenuous, uh, uh, disingenuous to their efforts. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, in one of my earlier interviews, I had interviewed another local podcaster who had, who, you know, he was talking to, uh, a lot of the, you know, he was, a a, a Brown person himself and, and he was talking to other people that, you know, let's face it, the, the white people aren't going to talk to. And, and we had talked about that and, and his, um, his his podcast is uh it's called Chicanx versus Aliens and he you know he focuses on you know occult and paranormal and stuff like that and cryptozoology and all that stuff all the kind of stuff from uh from uh perspectives of a person of color and there's also other shows like there, like, uh like 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 uh, Mysterious Radio and, and stuff that's hosted by K-Town. And she's a woman of color who, you know, do, does and produces her own content and stuff like that. So the idea that it's just white people out there just doing this and saying this stuff is absolutely ridiculous. And and we you know, we got like a whole mix of people out there. And, and just because there aren't that many, you know, I mean, we, we can't like. You, you can't force it, whatever it is that you want, un, un, because then you're, you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of like putting pressure on people to produce or, or whatever it is. It's just, it comes off just patronizing and disingenuous, but I, I, in no way am I saying, you know, don't listen to them because X, you know, and, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not getting at that. I'm just saying that the stuff is out there we're just not if if we're not if you don't see it out there then go look for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Do the work. <laughs> yeah, but don't complain that it isn't there because it's not. It is there. I just take issue with that because I grew up in a in a biracial background, you know. So I I'm, I'm like white and Hispanic and the thing is, you know, I mean, I was never really accepted by both cultures, you know, at least not in high school. But outside of that, you know, it's just something that I've had to deal with. that sort of left this chip on my shoulder.
1: I and I can't be the judge of that. Everyone's got their own journey, and I I I totally respect that. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I think you're right. Instead of just focusing on the bad, like let's let's be allies to uh, to to people who. Whose voices may not be out there as much and let's 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 do it. Let's just work together. Yeah. I, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. Speaking of that, Chris, um podcasts. Conspire a theory, man. I mean, we got it. We got a elephant in the room. You host your own podcast. And I love your logo, by the way. So we'll get mm. to how that came about. But when did you start the show? Um what made you wanna do your own thing, make a podcast, and uh, yeah, what is conspire a theory all about?
2: When I when I first started doing my own podcast, um, I, w- I got my start. I had a friend who, uh, he works in New York now. He's, he, he's one of the, he works in one of the, several of the newsrooms down there. Um, he had a gaming podcast, um, called original gamer, and I would come on as color commentary. Basically he would bring me on just to, uh, you know, trash talk, you know, with whatever gaming subject, that we would talk about, you know, because one of my backgrounds that I am a huge fan of video games and I, and I love video games and stuff like that. But we would talk about that. And then I ha- had another friend who we would do con reviews for his YouTube podcast. And I was the hatchet man for that. So he would bring me in. We'd talk about conventions and stuff like that. And then I would come in, you know, and talk about, you know, all the negatives and stuff like that, you know, just break it down. He would set them up. I would break them down because they were doing their own shows and I was doing on the podcast stuff it's like well there's all these topics that I want to talk about but the 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 wall that I would run into is well this isn't that kind of a show so eventually I ran into a point where it's like I'm going if I want to talk all these subjects and and cover these topics I have to produce my own show and I really had no idea how to do it. So, uh, you know, luckily my friends were very supportive. I mean, even uh, my friend uh, Oscar Gonzalez, he, he, was a, he was running Original Gamer. He sold me his old podcasting equipment, and, and I use like most of it to this day because it's, it's just good equipment. And then uh, my other friend from the YouTube stuff, Ed Salilis, he, you know, taught me some of the basics as far as, you know, sound engineering and all that stuff like that. So that way my podcast doesn't sound like crap. You know, just some of the, the the basics on how to how to deal with stuff, you know, because there are some stuff that I just can't help. But, you know, a lot of it you can help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, learning to do with that. And then I finally got myself out and then I was like, OK, now I got to get a name. The first name I went for was Conspira Theory. But then I looked it up and I saw that all the Google leads led it to um, – to uh, homoerotic fan fiction for Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> I,
2: I don't understand how that works, but that's, that's where all the, all the, all the search engines pointed it to when I would type in conspiracy theory, it would go to homoerotic fanfic. Interesting. So I thought, I don't want to, if I do, if I name my podcast that, then people are going to expect that because that, that I'm going to mislead my audience so i i kind of like you know because it's not a fan sh- it, it it it's not that um the thing is is that so i decided with conspire a theory you know i figured i'd okay i'll do that and then i just talk about whatever it is i want to talk about i have you know basically the three topics i go to are paranormal or i'll do fandom stuff where i could talk about you know video games comic books fun stuff and then I'll have like another hot topic, which is, you know, basically just vulgar Legion of Skanks type of of stuff where it's just me trying to do vulgar comedy. I don't do those as much as I do anymore. But, you know, every now and then I I have to do that because it's like it's just it's like it, it's sort of like a cleansing thing for me <laughs> is to do vulgar comedy. Hey, and, we all and,
1: have our cleansing things, Chris. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And uh, I just do do that, and you know where I'll discuss like whatever whatever is in the headlines that's crazy right now, and I'll just do a show on that. Um i I've gotten a lot of help and support in the first year. You know, I, a lot of it was me just hitting up my friends with just people that I knew, you know, people that I that I could talk to that were willing to get on to uh, to discuss that. And I designed the logo and did it myself because I do, you know, graphic art and stuff like that. So I chose a fox, a little white Arctic fox, because, you know, that's sort of like a play into the, the trickster element, because uh, in Japanese legend. the they have the kitsune which is or the kitsune which is a sort of fox spirit that embellishes the tricksterdom of whatever it is that's paranormal phenomenon it's and that was sort of the embodiment of that so that was oh. sort of a that was sort of my mascot and my logo and from from then on you know I've done like a I basically seek out people that, you know, this all pretty much started with with uh, I would have these I would go to these conventions. I would run into a man called Ken Gerhard. He me and him would have some of the most lengthy conversations we would go for like 45 minutes just talking about research and, and, and cryptids and lore and stuff like that. And they were so fascinating. And I'm like, I got to get this on tape. I got to share these conversations with people because I feel like they're so insightful and good. And, and he, he's saying all this cool, interesting stuff. And so many times I would listen to podcasts and i hear people talk and, and, you know, every now and then it's like, you know, I want to get my foot in the door. I want to there's like a question that maybe I want to ask that right. wasn't brought up or I would hear something and that. Then, then I'd hear like a parallel of something else that, I, that, you know, like sometimes I kind of like want my turn with these people, with these fascinating people out there. So it's really just a, just a chance for me to have a chance to talk with interesting and cool people. Speaking of that,
1: are there any guests that really stuck out here, or conversations that like completely blew your mind i mean they don't have to be ufo related we are the ufo podcast but i know you cover a lot of different topics yeah what are some of your most like memorable guests you've had on
2: well one that i felt that was a personal cornerstone for me was um was actually i listen to your show a lot i've i've been listening to you since the since uh you were on your uh on Into the fray. Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. I think the the first episode that I heard that you were on was the Kid in Black episode because I was like on a big Kid in Black fix Mm -hmm. and I I needed to sate my appetites. And on that episode, it's infamous because you, Shannon, and Sam only talk about Black Eyed Kids for like eight minutes. (laughs) But the personalities of all the people you know, was enough to keep me coming back. Oh, good. So I, I definitely enjoy the show. I was listening to you since you started your auxiliary, which eventually uh, evolved into what you're doing now. Yeah. But one of the things that stuck out for me, especially with your book and other other co- podcast hosts, they have this thing where it's like, oh, I've got the perfect or or not the perfect, but they all say, I have my own personal bullshit meter. I can tell when someone's, you know, when, when someone's telling the truth to me or not. And, and basically I, it's just something about that rubbed me the wrong way about how people try to vet their content, how they try to vet their guests and stuff like that. And something just didn't sit right with me. So, um, and I'm like, are, is everybody just relying on, uh, you know, poker tales just to try to vet their their whether or not try to vet their the uh, experiencers or the or the guests on whether or not they're telling the truth or not. You know, so I when I had spoken to I had met this man, uh, his name was Greg Lawson. Greg Lawson, he's a local um he he's he's out based out of austin, so I had met him at a convention and he wrote this book called you know uh paranormal detective and he has this long um history with uh working with the l a p d and and i mean not the l a austin police department and he works he he's done like a one of the things that he had done was uh negotiation, so I figured okay this is the perfect guy to talk to about you know like how do people's personal bullshit meters really measure up to actual police negotiation where it's like a and a death and life situation yeah 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 you know i want to find out i want to find out, i did that when i interviewed him i had interviewed him specifically to talk about to bring it up during the interview about you know how can someone tell if someone's telling the truth how accurate is that and he pretty much laid it down for me about All of the stuff that people have to go through, you know, he even went over the the poker tales like, you know, and what we pretty much came to is that, well, you know, even though, you know, someone could be telling the truth and they could be a terrible storyteller, whereas someone could be totally lying and be a great storyteller. You know, and, and it's just it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, I understood it a little bit more. I didn't I don't know that I got my definitive answer, but that was just something that I just I had to figure it out. And since then, that's been, you know, definitely one of my favorite interviews. And whenever I hear people talk to him and stuff like that, yeah, it's great and wonderful. But that time that I had with him, I it was really it meant something to me to really hash that out in you know vetting the stuff and you know i apply it to myself and everyone else so from then on i approach the situation of you know like whether or not someone is telling the truth or not i don't know there is no definitive way for me to tell or not especially with the abduction experiences but so long as the person can tell a good story and you know if they try to present evidence i'm going to take a look at it seriously um i think in one of the uh I did a three-part series with an uh, interview with, uh, with a man named Jack Carroll. Uh, he he had a, like a fascinating story to tell. I would meet him at the MUFON meetings, and he would you know always tell a story, and he was a great storyteller. And he had all these remarkable experiences, and then I met with him, and me and him, me and him have become you know, good friends. He's He's led an incredible life, and he's an interesting person. And I would just listen to these stories, and then at the end, I would actually take a look at his evidence and what he had to produce. And a lot of the evidence, it's not concrete, it's not absolute, but for a lot of the people out there, it gives them a sense of peace of mind. And I figured, okay, the, if that's good enough for them, then that's all that we have to do is so long as they can get like a peace of mind with their account, with their encounter, then that's all that we could hope for as far as the... Like, say, with the Bigfoot and stuff like that, yeah, we all want the corpse, you know. And with the aliens, yes, I want to see a gray under glass and stuff like that. I, I want to see all that stuff. Absolutely. But as far as the, the encounters, you know, if we, we don't have that, then, you know, that's like, well, at least so long as we can we can expand on the lore and at least talk about it, you know, get something out of it. Because I still feel there's something valuable in in hearing some of these people out. I mean, there you, you have your sort of um people who may have had an encounter, but then they decide to embellish it. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen because that's just the nature of, of the culture. That's just the na- human nature is going to always step in because, you know, of course it is. And it does muddy the waters, but I still feel that there's something valuable to the experience. Um I really enjoy just hearing these accounts and talking to these people and listening to these stories because, you know, I feel like I'm I'm on the cusp of, you know, of solving a mystery and we all love a good mystery. And it's like, I just need, I need to take in more so that way I can figure stuff out, you know, because I'm actually paying attention to them as they tell the stories, you know, yeah. I, I mean, even during my Jack Carroll interview, I would interrupt him and I would ask him like questions, you know, like, like during the, the, like one time he said he had like a week long encounter and then i i stopped him and i asked him I was like well well when did you shave when did you go to the bathroom did you sleep <laughs> you know stuff like that yeah. you know stuff like that that i don't think that i don't know that um other people might not have picked up on you know stuff like that because you know i i want to know i'm not trying to catch them and say you know oh you're wrong or whatever i'm trying to figure it out from their perspective and using what i know to see if if can this work, can this experience work in, in the reality that they're presenting? You know, I mean, if there's like a, if there's like a, a hole, you know, I mean, well, let's, let's talk about, it. let's shine some light on it. Let's explore that a bit. You know, are we missing details and stuff like that? Cause, cause one of the things I, I do like, yeah, I do like a good story. So of course, you know, I mean, no one, no one likes potholes. So I try to make yeah. sure that those at least accounted for, you know, in, the, in whatever it is, reality that's being presented. But, you know, I, I mean, would it get us closer to whatever the truth is? I have no idea. But, you know, I, we should at least try.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been
0: loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: Hey, y'all. Ryan Spreck here. by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now on with the show. I'm glad to hear you say you don't know because there's so many people out there who claim they do know. And those are the kind of people that I – when people come to me and say, this person says this is the answer and we should listen to them. I'm like, "Eh, I wouldn't go that far. If anyone's saying they know definitively what's going on, who's in control of these UFOs or what intelligence lay behind abductions or whatnot, that's problematic right there. I don't think
2: anyone knows, to be completely honest. What do you think? I, I completely understand and respect the skeptic mindset as far as you know question everything I, I totally respect that and i there are a lot of other skeptic groups that i'm a part of that i get along great with um there's this one skeptic group uh, it's um uh, cryptid connection I'm one of their members and they're, they're very good. They're very skeptical, very science-based, but, you know, every now and then they'll, they'll discuss and embellish the woo for a bit, you know, just for analysis purposes. And they're, they're very good about that. And I feel comfortable and, and confident, you know, I can talk to a skeptic just as much as I can talk to a believer. I just, I just have to remember to even then, but the thing is I, what I don't, I don't change my language for them. I'm like, you know, because whenever I say something like, oh, this, this experience is and this and the phenomena of this, you know, I try to make it clear that what I'm talking about, whether or not it's proven or not. You know, just to make it clear so that way they know what I mean when I'm saying what I'm talking about. And I realize that if we're just more open in our conversations and, and we're trying to be as clear as we can be when having a conversation, that there shouldn't be any need for animosity. Um, I understand that a lot of skeptics get a bad rap. Because there are a lot of who are uh, more cynical uh, debunkers. Like, they're not there to listen to a story. They're there to listen to plot holes so that they can jump on them and then, you know, and then berate them and, I guess, score a victory. And I can understand for some, you know, that's sort of like a, a, a keeping things black and white keeps them in control. Because then they remain the ultimate authority on the issue. When it's it's like, well... You know, yeah, that may be the case. But on the other hand, you know, we still need to get even just for record keeping purposes, just for lore purposes, we still need to hear out the entire experiences and, you know, put it under light and examine it, you know, thoroughly. Well, in terms of hearing people out, uh, you're an artist as well as a researcher,
1: and you did some really, really cool recreations from witness testimony. And one that always stood out to me is the the featured image for this episode, and that's the green alien perched in the corner of the room. Could you maybe run us through
2: this case? I have to hear about what
1: compelled you to do
2: this drawing. Yeah, um, one of the researchers from uh, UFO cryptid... SA investigations based out of San Antonio. Um, he was doing a, a, he, I think he was speaking to a, one of his family members. It was either his, his aunt or or his, his mother. And she had had this encounter where she was walking through the hallway. She, she had turned a corner and she had seen a little gray. It, w- it looked like a gray, but he was green and he was propped up in the corner you know, like Spider Man. That's how she described it. He was up in the corner, like Spider Man, and he was surrounded by sparkles, like, uh, like, like if if you've ever sneezed too fast or, or, or gotten up too fast or getting hit in the head and you see stars. Oh yeah. Yeah, those. He he was surrounded by sparkles, and and she had, you know, of course she jumped from shock, and when she had jumped from shock, it had disappeared. So whether it was a projection or she got time jumped or whatever, uh, we, we don't know, but that's just, that's just the best that she was able to describe it. And it's sort of this thing that I see over and over again. So I, the investigator, he had done a sketch. He, he, had I put like on the, my Instagram feed, I have a couple, you know, side by side comparisons where, you know, if, if an investigator gives me a sketch, I'll, sometimes I'll try to apply my skill to it to uh, clean it up a bit. So I had taken his sketch and I had cleaned it up and I had tried to, you know, uh, applied my, my technical abilities to better flesh it out, to make it more clear. And, and he, and in some cases when doing recreations, you know, you got to fill in the blanks somehow because that's just the, that's, you know, just the way to do it. So I had done my best to recreate, you know, what she would have seen, and as far as you know as far as i could tell from from that experience so that's what that was it was sort of like a a sudden offhand encounter like 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 this thing was doing its thing it was observing whatever and it accidentally got caught like he probably had his shields down or whatever <laughs> right. he he didn't have his glimmer on or or whatever it was he didn't have his his um his glimmer man you know, camouflage.
1: Cloak, yeah. <laughs> visibly,
2: Yeah. He didn't have his cloak up. Yeah. So, so whatever he made a mistake. And it's just, it's just a weird thing where we get these offhand encounters. Uh, I think my mother had a similar experience. She told me before she had passed was, um, when, when I was like four years old and my, my brother was eight, we were sleeping, you know, in our, in our bedroom as a child. And my mother had gotten up to walk down the hallway to get a glass of water, and she had seen a a being outside of our room. It was sort of she couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, but it was like a silhouette of a sort of a being of light, and it went down to i guess down to the knees, and then the, the knees below that were transparent like it was fading away and she had seen it for a second and then she jumped and and you know just from the shock of seeing someone in front of her and then it had blinked out of existence it just disappeared so when i heard her story that sort of struck a chord with me that i that that type of of blinking out i it's like i've heard of that before so that's why that took special issue with me that it's like, I have to do something with that. Interesting. Well, um, in terms of Cases,
1: Chris, I mean, do you have, I like to ask the people who, who do get involved in this topic and um, research it heavily, a favorite UFO case, or um, I guess even an abduction account, or one of each, to be completely honest, any ones that really stick out to you as like, this is the one I want to lay out on the table when, when those skeptics do come to you and say like, this is BS, or this is, you know, a misidentification. What what are those go to cases for you?
2: I really can't nail it down to one case, but what I do love are when we get accounts of of creatures or or characters that are so off off putting or off the norm. Yeah, yeah. You know, irregular. You know, something where it's like a like the the I think it's called the Edinburgh horror, where it's this three legged slob bog monster thing <laughs> or or the the cisco nightcrawlers or or like see what was it the one guy was chased up a tree by robots and, oh and the grays. cisco
1: grove incident yeah i just yeah, did that the, one over on my patreon
2: yeah the the and also the um the pascagoula where uh, mm-hmm. calvin parker and his companion had encountered robots and they, and it's just anything off the wall or, or, or just beyond the greys, That stuff I love. I absolutely love that stuff. It's, it's just, it's remarkable. And I'm always looking for more of that. You know, whenever I hear people talk about reptilians or stuff like that, you know, my ears just perk up, you know, like dog man or, or stuff like that. You know, I mean, cause I know that Bigfoot and the greys are sort of the big men on campus, they're like the popular jocks but i love hearing and learning about the rest of the people out there that populate the 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 paranormal field you know be they just lore accounts or or whatever evidence is brought up whether it's it's just an encounter a brief encounter or or a long-winded story you know, I just I just want to hear so much about it. I, anything with robots, I just love robots so much.
1: <laughs> That's cool. Well, hey, man, there is no shortage of that in the uh, UFO encounter uh, arena, I would say. That's pretty cool. I like hearing that. We don't hear that that often. Um, well, you did mention, like dogman and cryptids and everything. So I want to get your opinion on this. Um, A lot of people lately have sort of been thrown around these theories that all this stuff, all these weird stories we're hearing, whether it's UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, uh, high strangeness, that they're somehow all connected. And I don't know what to make of that. I've spent my whole time in this sort of weird world exploring UFOs and now to think that maybe all this other stuff could have some sort of connection to it. Um, like where do you even begin? So do you think these theories that all of this stuff is interconnected, does it hold any water for you personally? Hmm.
2: I do feel like there's something there. Um I've when I would when I had interviewed the state director of MUFON uh, Ken Jordan, he we had brought this up during our interview. It's not out yet. I, I'm still editing it and, and working on it at at the time of when we recorded this. But as far as the I can understand, you know, people having a hard time trying to piece it together because every single field wants to compartmentalize everything. Like, you know, you hear about the stories about how the Bigfoot's uh someone sees a Bigfoot come out of a UFO. Well, the UFO researchers want to hear about the about the UFO and the Bigfoot researchers want to hear about the Bigfoot, but when you start cross-pollinating, then they like are like, whoa, 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 yeah. that, that's not that's not my field right. or something like that. And I guess what's happening is a lot of them are starting to uh pull away from that. And I, I do think it's it's very good and it's very positive. Now, you have someone that are really, you know, stuck in the mud as far as, you know, like no, we got to keep everything separate. And I'm and I'm okay with categorizing stuff, but when there's cross-pollination, you know, that needs to be brought up. Because there are, we do have our one-off single uh, phenomenon accounts. But as far as the really weird stuff, the sort of high strangeness stuff, uh, it is something that I want to hear more of. I, I, I feel like we need to do more gathering because so many times – and this irks me. This is another reason why I started my own show because I'm tired of, of hearing stuff, you know, what I feel are precious details being, you know, yada, yada. I hate that. Like say for yeah, example yeah, – yeah. Um, this is especially prolific in, in abduction experience. Like people will say, oh, I was abducted by aliens, the greys, they came for me, they took me, they talked to me, blah, blah, blah. But yada, yada, paranormal activity at my house. And, and it's like, but, you know, and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what happened? What paranormal activity? Can you expand on that? you know i want to hear like what specifically happened you know i i want to hear that dug into but so far most of the hosts they they yada yada that they allow the guest to just dance over it and that that it it irks me you know i get that man i know i
1: remember <laughs> one of the biggest cases in my book was about a woman in michigan who had a triangular ufo sighting and then after that you know it it became a story of high strangeness and poltergeist activity and that was something i struggled when i was you know finishing and editing the chapter i'm like do i include this or not and at the end of the day like if i'm going to be a responsible researcher and uh you know author i have to it's part of the story it's part of her experience (laughs) so i liked it i love hearing that you're willing to go there and not yada yada
2: that like a lot of the big shows (laughs) tend to do um because yeah, I, guess I can
1: understand.
2: I can understand for some of the more commercial shows for time restraints. Yeah. I, I kind of get that, but you know, if you're not on a on a time restriction, you know, then and you can take a few moments. Where it, th- that's another reason why I think uh, podcasting is sort of uh, getting more because we can we can dig a bit deeper. We we don't. A lot of us are not restricted to time constraints. I think that's one of the best things that, you know, the YouTube sphere or whatever has done for content creators is that it allows us to make, take time creating and and hashing out quality content. It's like there's no longer a behind-the-scenes footage type of stuff like that. There's no uh, stuff on the cutting room floor anymore or as much. Yeah. And we get to really, you know, dig deeper into these. I mean, there are some podcasts, they go like four hours just talking about one thing. <laughs> and and although, I mean, I could never do that. But I understand that for a lot of us, you know, we some of us, we need that that short burst of – you know, let's talk about this for 45 minutes and then we'll have part two. But but those 45 minutes are deep dives. yeah. And that's where I really feel that podcasting, you know, really shines as a as a as new media that we're able to really take those deep dives and really uh, expand on those details and stuff that otherwise we would not have gotten on the the, you know, the 10 o'clock to midnight shows that because they got to rush through stuff you know yeah, no, that's a really good point yeah we're able to expand more and
1: dig deeper <laughs> and it, it really you know it depends on the the host if they're willing to go there. so that's what I really enjoy about your show is you're willing to yeah. go there and um I guess for my my next question to do with all this Chris uh the capital D word we gotta we gotta talk about this disclosure uh what are mm. your personal thoughts? On disclosure is this ever going to happen what form is it going to take um or is it even a thing ufo disclosure
2: what what are your thoughts on this mm. uh, i just had a really long conversation with uh with a guy with a man from mufon about this specific subject in a filipino restaurant for like an hour nice. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and that was very that was very very uh very deep diving um so I guess just (laughs) I guess just a a just a personal I don't feel I'll ever be personally satisfied um what I want of course I think what most of us want is we want you know the the president to come down you know the the man of orange and right next to him a little man of green to come (laughs) out and say hey buddies you know here's what's up here's the thing here's what's going on and that's not gonna happen I and because of that I'm you know on one hand yeah I'm kind of disappointed um because you know we're we're always on the cusp of for some reason it seems like a big deal for us the the US government to to come forward even though world governments uh, they have their own forms of disclosure and stuff like that. And, and they, they sort of, you know, they sort of say and and do stuff that, you know, our government are going to be tightly lipped about. And, you know, it's like our, you know, who do you trust? I mean, a lot of people are very distrustful of the government and for good reason. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's a very difficult subject. I think a lot of people are jaded, you know, I, I really, really want, you know, the UFO to show up. I want the big show, the big performance. But I feel that deep in my heart, I'm not going to see that in my lifetime. Um, everyone is saying like, oh, this is the year. This is the year. And it's it, it's. I feel like I've been hearing that for six, 60 years, <laughs> even though I've only been hearing it technically for 20 years. So yeah. it's it feels like 60. I just, I feel, I feel so, so disappointed and disheartened when I, when I hear it brought up and when I hear people like talk about it with so much glee and hope and and that glimmer in their eye, because I feel like they're going to be disappointed, but some people, you know, they'll often spin it towards, you know, like, well, you know, this is a soft disclosure and, and, and I'm like, okay, I, I see your point. I see your perspective and I respect it. But unfortunately for me, that's not enough. Um, And, and we're, and those are just issues where I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on, on some of those points, because at the point we're at an impasse where, you know, I mean, we can make a case and argue as best we can, but we're not the ones holding the keys on that, on the definitive answer, unfortunately. So it's just, it's just one of those things that I think we're just gonna have to you know spin the wheels a bit more, and you know I mean I hate to be a bummer, but I'm I'm just not I'm just not optimistic about it.
1: yeah oh, man, that's called being a realist, <laughs> and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think. I think disclosure, if that is even a thing, is going to either come from, like you said, those who hold the keys. And I think the phenomenon holds the keys. And I think it's going to come from small disclosures for each person who has some sort of experience.
2: You know, yeah. I mean, whether the ultimate answer is, you know, yes, aliens are coming. They're visiting us from elsewhere. That's a fascinating thing. Or this is all in our heads. We're crazy. It's a form of psychosis if it's one of it's got to be either one of those you know some people could say well it could be both yeah well if it is you know the the ultimate thing is you know it's got to be something along that line uh, definitively if it has to be one or the other you know that would still be a fascinating thing that would still be a remarkable thing we would still be living in a remarkable world and we would still be full of remarkable experiences and i would be satisfied with either but you know but as far as, you know, do if I were to need something black and white, that's sort of my parameter for that. But, you know, trying to settling for the, the shades of gray, you know, I, I can understand it. I can understand it and I respect it. But it's, you know, it's it can be a bit it can be a bit frustrating at times. Yep,
1: it always is. Um, well, I mean, sort of to wrap wrap things up here, Chris, the, there seems to be. Uh, in terms of the UFO field this influx of people kind of getting involved whether it's on Twitter or um, you know YouTube or TV shows movies books what have you. What would you say personally to the younger people coming into the UFO research field? I mean, I'm one of the quote-unquote younger people in the field, and I ain't too young, my man, either. So what should we tell these people just getting into this? Who should they read, listen to um, stuff? What What advice would you give people just starting to look at the UFO topic?
2: I would say with, uh, with, with new media, with uh, podcasting and stuff, Just stick with what you like. Support what you like. Um, It doesn't have to be my show or even your show. But, you know, there are a lot of people giving uh, different perspectives on different accounts. And we've hit the point now where you can find the show, the paranormal show, whatever they click specifically for you. I, I can recommend a bunch of, you know. Podcasts that people listen to that are from different people that have different perspectives, which is why I listen to them. And it's whether it's a cultural perspective uh, or a generational perspective, I do enjoy it all, you know, be it the Paracast for a more seasoned generation because I. I listen to that show and I'm introduced to new people all the time off that show.
1: Yeah. Same.
2: I mean, there's sometimes where I've sniped some of their guests and they've actually sniped some of my guests and I've admitted to it. (laughs) And, and, um, and whether it be you know from a younger generation, be it either your show or Rob Christofferson's show, uh, or or more seasoned like the I guess the mid range people like uh, be it myself or or Chris Cogswell, mm-hmm. you know all these these remarkable accounts of these remarkable people out there doing these remarkable accounts, you know be it where they from they they whether they are from the perspective of the believer or from the perspective of a seasoned skeptic, you know, be they Chris Cogswell or a Cisco Murdoch, you know, I do enjoy hearing from all these different uh, perspectives on these accounts, you know, and I, you know, I do enjoy it. And and the thing is there, I'm constantly, constantly running into into new stuff and lots of fascinating people. I mean, you're going to hit a point where you can't keep up with all of it, but you know, I mean, but you're gonna gravitate towards what resonates with you the most. You know? Yeah, and I can just say, just just keep looking, and eventually you'll figure out that there's a bunch. There's something that's going to be geared specifically towards you. Such a good point, man.
1: And it might take some time. You know, I remember there are shows I've listened to where it took me like months and months of listening to be like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go a different way with my, uh, you know, where I want to head in terms of who I listen to, what authorities I. I sort of um side with. But again, that's the thing about these phenomena, they change the minute we think we know something. So, it's the same when it comes to um yeah. being in the UFO field. It's it's malleable and it's constantly changing. Yeah, and can changing.
2: can I bring something up for for just a minute? Please do. Um something about what I what I remember one time where um someone had criticized you for um for how you market yourself. And I just want to say one of the things that I hear in the field uh, as a sort of like a like a purity test is you know it's like oh there's no money in paranormal or if this person makes money they're a shill and i'm like that right there for me is total is total hogwash it's total bullshit because i come from uh from an artist background and i understand you know to a degree, marketing. I'm not good at it. I suck at marketing. I mean, I'm, I'm terrible at it. But someone's criticism, they laid out a whole bunch of stuff, you know, criticizing you specifically for your book, for your podcast, or your podcast, you know, reinforces your book and how you're like on all these shows and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, looking at it, and it's like, uh, all those criticisms are just good marketing. <laughs> and, and it's like, Getting your name out there and making money, even though you may not make like we may not make tons of money, but (laughs) just because you're not making tons of money doesn't mean there's not money to be made. And if you are making money, that just means you're you're good at marketing and what you do. And no one should be no one should be uh, faulted for that because that is just that is just total total crap. Just because someone is good at something, they shouldn't ever be made to. Demean for it or made to feel guilty about it because other people are struggling. You know, it's like, I'm sorry. That's just not, that's just not how reality reality works. I know that a lot of people like to slam ancient aliens, but they're very successful in their show. They're introducing a lot of people to the phenomenon and a lot of those people, they'll, they'll, they'll hear about that and then they'll come to me and they'll want to talk about it further And it's like, yeah, let's let's talk about let's let's introduce us, you know, it's just um, I mean, because anybody that especially in the art field, because I've been working at conventions, I've had my table at conventions, I've had I've been to the point where I've been I've been drawing uh, Deadpool, you know, stuff like that, doing something stupid for a couple bucks, you know, to, to make people happy. And yeah, I do enjoy it and, and I love it, but to do what I want to do, I sort of, I have to, you know, do the work and I do have to, you know, make things out there for, for just the general audience. And you gotta, you gotta keep the general audience in in mind, you know, and there are some stuff, some projects that I have that are made specifically for the general audience. When I do my show, i try hard to make to treat every episode like it's the like it's the like it's the listeners first like i try to treat everything as if it's an introduction to stuff i mean uh, my show isn't for advanced people but that doesn't mean advanced cult advanced phenomena people can't enjoy it you know it's more like for introductory and intermediates but it's sort of a uh, you know, and I try to give people a taste of what you know, what more advanced phenomena can can talk about and stuff like that, because I'm always trying to bring it up and, and rehash it and stuff like that. But the whole idea that people, that because someone's making money at something, you know, that just means they're they're good at it, and I I just get so tired of that.
1: Hey, from one artist to another, I appreciate yeah. you saying that, because yeah. I have been called out on how much I post my own work and this and that. But you know what? I mean, that's what that's what networking is. That's why it's called social networking. You know, I'm trying yeah. to find other people and, and do things. I mean, that that's why... A podcast, the podcast world, I think, is so good because we build each other up, most of us at least, build each other up rather than tearing each other down. And there's very few communities like that out there that are, that really do that. And it's a, It's a community that I just am so honored to be a part of because it is mostly people supporting one another. I don't care Mm -hmm. how many UFO podcasts are out there. The more the merrier, in my opinion. It just gets more acknowledgement of the phenomenon, and it helps all of us.
2: Yeah, and I can understand some people trying to do it for free because of – I guess they're trying to preserve um, merit or integrity. I, I can totally understand that. I wouldn't fault them for it. Yeah. But at, at the same time, if you're good at something, there's nothing wrong with charging for it. You know, I mean, if, if so long as no one is being exploitative. Right. Then that's where I draw the line is where someone is exploiting other people, because we see cases in the news where uh, someone with psychic abilities is like exploiting uh, uh, someone naive into believing that you know they're going to be in grave danger unless they're bullied into you know giving them lots of money and stuff like that. So that 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 is where I draw the line but you know yeah. but I can understand why people try to put uh the the numerical value on, on stuff as a means of trying to you know preserve that sort of you know uh humbleness yeah. to to Yeah, cuz they don't want to be mixed in, you know. I I get it. I get it. But at the same time because someone is and they are charging and they are making money you can't be mad at them either
1: i love that man well it's good to hear you say that well in terms of you know charging for one's work some of your artwork i gotta i gotta get my hands on some of this man so you gotta tell me um in the art world what are you up to now um what comes next for you in terms
2: of your your art life and also your podcast life well, the podcast, I've got a couple episodes that I'm editing that are going to be out pretty soon, uh, mainly with talking with MUFON individuals, one about disclosure and one about a bit of the history of MUFON. And then I'm going to be discussing um, – I'm I'm always open for talking to more people. I'm trying to reach out to other shows and, and talk to them because I always love talking to other podcasters about podcasting and stuff like that. Yeah. So you might hear me on a couple of other people's shows coming up um, and also – as far as art wise, I definitely recommend people follow my Instagram, which is uh conspire a theory. And that is like you put the underscores between the words. So it's conspire underscore a underscore theory. That's the best place that I would recommend people follow me because Instagram is just it's it's sort of a bit like Facebook, a bit like Twitter, but you're not in everyone else's business all the time. <laughs> Good point. And it's it's the best place for me to showcase my artwork and and stuff like that. Uh eventually everything I post on Instagram does get posted to Twitter and I'm trying to clean up my Twitter a bit more, you know, to not not be so so, you know, into the political stuff because it's so easy for us to get into fights and stuff like that. Just on the general political stuff like that. And and I'm trying to clean that up and post more of my artwork on there. So I'm always producing artwork. I've always got stuff, you know, in production and stuff is always being worked on. But if people need, you know, my, my skill or my help with anything, I am open for hire. Um, I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm always open to a new project or anything else. If anybody needs any assistance, if any authors like yourself need uh, a recreation for some of their published work or anything that's going into a book or anything, you know, I mean, I can give you a special rate and stuff like that. It's, it's no big deal. I've had other, um, people, you know, come to me for designs that they, that they want for either be a t-shirt or, or they need something specifically for a book or something like that. I, I think only I I I think one time my artwork was turned down because the guy said it was too polished. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a good thing to hear, I guess.
2: Yeah, I, I guess uh, it was for a, for a Bigfoot book, and I guess you know some of the people they they prefer certain styles for a certain work. So I'm I'm learning to adapt to myself. So I'm always open for a challenge. If someone's got like a bit of a challenge <laughs> for like a, a, I'm always down for that because I love trying to expand my skill set and and trying new things spoken like a true
1: artist i love that chris hey man this has been so refreshing for me to get you finally get you on the show this definitely will not be the last time you're on somewhere in the skies i could tell you that right now but um I highly suggest my listeners go subscribe to the Conspira Theory podcast right now. Um, go to the back archives and listen to some of these guests because you've had some really amazing conversations, and I'm just beginning to dig into those. So
2: I try to um, put stuff on there because there is some stuff that's that's uh, you know raunchy humor that's <laughs> not going to be for everybody. But I try to let people know up front within the first two minutes of the podcast that, yeah, this is going to be raunchy humor – If you're, you know, easily offended or or can't take, you know, goofy jokes, then this isn't this episode isn't for you. It's okay to skip those. Um, I have, you know, episodes where I talk specifically to uh, other authors who publish books and we talk specifically about writing and we talk about, you know, interesting writing stuff and tropes and characters and all that stuff. And and I love talking to writers and authors and artists and stuff like that. And then there are other ones where I talk to, you know, paranormal experiencers and, and ex- paranormal authors. And we talk about, you know, um, stuff like what's going on in the field and all that interesting stuff like that. So I try to make sure that people know up front what they're getting in the episode. So I don't want people to come up and and say, oh, I was caught by surprise. It's like, no, you walked into that. But it, there, is, warned, there yeah. is something for you out there. and just But just be aware, just be cautious of what you're listening to. Absolutely.
1: Chris, thank you so much, man, for coming on Somewhere in the Skies today. Yeah, it was a pleasure, real pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. Again, be sure to subscribe to the Conspire a Theory podcast, wherever you get podcasts. And be sure to check out Chris Holmes' Patreon page to find all of his artwork. Visit patreon.com slash psychris. Again, that's patreon.com slash chris to learn more. You can find Somewhere in the Skies wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or your Android apps. It helps us gain visibility and find new listeners. I've started a new video series over on the YouTube channel called Somewhere in the Skies Case Files. These will be mini-episodes where I break down my favorite UFO cases. Just head on over to YouTube and type in Ryan Sprague, or you can find the link in the show notes for this episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Somewhere Skies and Instagram at SomewhereSkiesPod. I'll see you here next week, and remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies and wash your hands yeah I'm talking to you
0: Somewhere in the skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact...